morning. Um, we're going to be covering a couple of the questions that we covered last week, but I wanted to hit a few more too if we've, if we've got some time. So the theme of what we're going to be doing is, hey, whatever question you guys have about the Bible, let's go ahead and ask it and we'll be able to get some answers to it. And some of the stuff I want you guys to take a stab at as well. So that's kind of the whole idea of doing this. Uh, so it's a little bit of a Q&A, but very, very interesting. So, so far last week we talked about uh, dinosaurs. Thanks, Jack. Um, dinosaurs in heaven? No, no, there's no dinosaurs in heaven. That wasn't this question. Uh, what about dinosaurs and, you know, where do they exist and all that stuff? Talked about the ark and the flood and all that stuff last week. And so we had a few other questions and there was a couple that were put together. And that is, are we going to have different personalities in heaven? And what about free will? And, uh, and will we know our family members in heaven? And what about marriage in heaven? And so that was something that we talked about last week. So we're going to get to those in a minute. But let's go ahead and pray first, and then we'll open up the scriptures, and we'll take a look at this. Lord, thank you so much for the day that you've given us today. Um, just over the last 24 hours, I've just been reminded of your goodness towards us and, uh, and towards me specifically. And uh, I'm just very thankful for your grace and for your mercy because... Um, on any given day, God, we just fall completely short of you. Um, it's very easy for us to um, start to get involved in things that are godly and things that are pleasing in your sight and, and help us to think that we're better than what we are when we're really not. And so every single day we need you. I know yesterday morning with the guys, we just talked about how in John fifteen five it says that where Jesus told us, without me, you can do nothing. And we need to have more of that mindset. Uh, we literally cannot do anything without you. Um, we can become very self-confident, and when we do that, we always tend to trip things up in our own life and make bad decisions. And so I pray, God, that we would every day just lean upon you. And as we work through these things this morning, uh, the different questions we have from your scriptures, God, I pray that it would help us to have more confidence in you and help us to see our great need for you and how you have given us everything that we need in order to make good and, and right decisions and to make decisions that are fruitful, um, that are not only good for us and for our life, but for your honor and for your glory. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us and that we would be humble before you this morning. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so are we going to have different personalities in heaven? What about free will and will that exist? And will we know our family members in heaven? And what about marriage? Okay, so who wants to take a first stab at that? Go for it. I'd say we have our same base personality, but like it's perfect, so you don't have like Okay. Now use the Bible to prove that. <laughs> if anybody comes up with a reference too, I mean, I want everyone to kind of work together on this one. So I would say that's pretty accurate. But now let's actually open up the Bible and see, because that's where our faith comes from, is from the scriptures. So we got to make sure that we back up everything that we believe with what the scriptures say. So as far as our base personality, it's going to be roughly the same, but we're going to be perfect. So what verse would you use for that? Anybody? Anybody? Give you a hint. It's in the Bible. (laughs) There is a New Testament passage that talks about it. (laughs) Any guesses at all? Guess on a book. Okay. Hmm. Revelation. Okay, what part of Revelation would you use? Like, why did you think Revelation? Okay. Think about the people in the book of Revelation. 
Uh, okay. I mean, I, I don't think that really... I mean, start thinking about that. And think about, is there anyone that is in heaven in the book of Revelation that they're known by name and other people know them by name? Huh? <laughs> I can't hear you, Haley. What's that? <laughs> okay, we're not going to go anywhere if we don't get any participation. <laughs> Come on, think about it. Jack. Okay. Okay, being made perfect. Now in that one, the context is, is that she's sick, right? And that she'll believe and she'll be made whole. So it's a little bit different than what we're talking about here. But good verse. Because you're right, Jesus makes people whole. So we're talking about being perfect. What else? Let's go back to our original train of thought. Okay, let's make it even more simple than this. You guys, you guys are smart. You guys can totally do this. Don't, you're acting like you're idiots. You're not idiots. I know you're not. Okay, start naming people that show up in the book of Revelation. John. John. Whoa! Okay, now. <laughs> All right, good. Now with John, think about that. He is in the, okay, scripture word. God takes him. He's in the blank on the Lord's day. In the, well, I heard it. Spirit. Yes, he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. Okay. So the Holy Spirit takes him up and is he known by people in heaven as John? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, come on. We can do this. We can do this. You guys know this. You know the Bible. You guys can do this. If you're put on the spot with a friend, you're going to have to be able to answer this kind of stuff. That's why we're going to be working hard to do this. All right. So John is known by people. Did John know other people? Yes. Yes. Who did John know specifically by name? Okay. Another name for God? Jesus. Jesus. Yes, the typical Sunday school answer. You could have just thrown that one out there. He knew Jesus, right? He turned around, he saw Jesus. So he was able to perceive and understand who Jesus was, even though Jesus was in his glorified body. Okay? So you could use that. Anything else that you could use outside of Revelation? Any other ideas? Yes. Yes. Good. Now, let me give you a chapter, and you guys can look at it. Romans chapter eight. Look at Romans chapter eight. So yes, it is perfect from the logical perspective, but we believe the Bible, so we want to make sure that we have the Bible to back up our logic. Romans chapter eight. Second half of chapter 8. Find a verse in there that shows you that your bad, sinful personality traits or your character flaws will be gone. Let's read it. 
Um, yes. Go ahead. Okay, so I would say immediately it doesn't answer that question. However, if you keep reading, one, two, three more verses. Verse 29, read 29, Hannah. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, so those that are saved, those that God knew who would be saved, that's what foreknow means, it has no Calvinistic leanings there. He also did predestinate to be, what's the word there? Conformed. Good. Good. Just got to look at that word and just read it right on the page. It's really easy. Okay. All right. Conformed. What does it mean to conform something? Ethan, what is it? What does it mean to conform something? Okay. Into. Like if I'm going to conform you into me. Yeah. There you go. No, don't do that because I got some flaws. So don't be like me. Be like Jesus. Okay. So God says that you are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that means, are there personality traits and different things about you that are not like Jesus? Yes, absolutely. So one day when you get there, those things will be gone and you will be like Christ. Now, even though we're like Christ, are you going to have your own unique personality traits? Absolutely. Absolutely. You definitely will. Now, how do I know that? Anybody else find another good passage reference on that one? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yep, that's a great one. Because both Moses and Elijah are taken out. Moses dies, but then God has his body, and there's a whole other thing with that. And then Elijah's raptured out, but then they come back. When, where, they come back in two different places. Where do they come back? Tribulation. Tribulation's one, and then before that, they come back at the transfiguration. So on the mountaintop, when Christ is transfigured, you have Moses and Elijah that are there, and the disciples knew that it was Moses and Elijah. And then they come back again during the tribulation, and people know that it's them. If you cross-reference those passages out. Good. That's good. Anything else? I'll give you one more before we move on to the next question. First John 5.18. Okay. Let's turn there real quick. First John 5.18. If you got a Bible, turn there. First John 5. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Sam. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that the wicked one toucheth him not. Okay, why would you use that verse? Um, because it said that we keepeth ourselves. I didn't know the specific context, but it's talking about how the bad things. Okay. Like Hannah said that we're not going to have the bad things in heaven. Okay. It's Okay, now I would say this verse does not support that, but it's a good shot because it does talk about whoever is born of God sinneth not. Now, that part of you, like right now, if you're born again, are you born of God? Okay, one more time. If you are born again, are you born of God? Yes. Yes, okay. So it says, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. So do you sin every day? Yes, we do. So that's like a contradiction, you would think. 
Because are you born of God? Well, if you're born of God, then you don't sin. That's what that verse says. But yet you do sin. So what does that mean? Go ahead. Very good. God doesn't see you sinning. Why? Because he paid for it. It's over. It's done. So when you sin, the sin doesn't stick. Now, does that mean you can just go and do whatever you want? Absolutely not. God forbid is the biblical phrase. (laughs) Absolutely not. Every time I sin, I feel horrendous. And I feel like, why is God even wasting his time with me? Because he's convicting me about it. And yet, that sin doesn't stick. And I'm thankful man, it rips me up inside. You cannot sin and sin and sin and be okay with it. You just can't. It's not possible. If that's you, either you're so far gone that you have no idea what it means to walk with God or you're lost. That's the only conclusion you can come to. So in that sense, that's kind of the context of this verse, Sam, just to kind of show you that. But not a bad verse, but it's not one that I would immediately use to support what we're trying to prove. All right, turn to Matthew chapter 8. Now, this one just kind of popped in my head um, because as you – so one of the things – I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but like I know when I was younger and my dad would preach the Bible, he would just like quote verses like mad crazy. And I'd be like, how in the world? And I still feel like that when it comes to my dad. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way whenever you've heard me teach or anything like that. But when it comes to the Bible, if you just read it, and read it 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 and memorize it and memorize it and study it and study it and study it. When certain questions pop up, God will use that. The Spirit of God will use your memory to bring certain words and phrases to your mind to get you to go to certain passages of Scripture. That's how this, how this whole thing works. So the more of the Bible that you get into you as you get into the Bible the more the Spirit of God has a reservoir or a database that he's able to go inside of you and say, hey, this phrase. And then, because that's exactly what just happened. I'm thinking about this, and I thought, oh yeah, there's this passage. And then I typed it in, and boom, I've got this verse. So that's why it's so important for you guys to get into the Bible. Because the more circumstances that you find yourself in, the more and the more the Bible that you're in, the more the Holy Spirit of God is able to use what's already in your head in order to get to you to remember certain passages of Scripture. So look at Matthew chapter 8 and take a look at a verse. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> 11. So Jesus says here, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, kingdom of heaven in your Bible refers to what? There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of heaven? Ethan. I'm like, I'm aware of God, I'm the Father is. I'm like, I'm the literal, I'm physical. Yes. The literal, physical kingdom of God. So that means when Jesus comes back and he sets up his kingdom on the throne in Jerusalem, that is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is what? It is not the literal physical. <laughs> Come on, what is it? What is the kingdom of God? I'm going to start calling people. Come on, come on, come on. You know this. Chris, you know this? If you don't, it's okay. Okay. Haley? 
Nada? Just guess. guess Hoshia Baranek? <laughs> like, uh, okay, that's not a bad guess. But the kingdom of heaven is the capital of heaven itself. So, But you can't go to heaven without being born into the kingdom of God. So in that sense, you're correct. Yeah. Wouldn't it just be all of us? Okay, I need more than that. Sam? It's the, what Jesus come down and teaches. Teaches the kingdom of God, like the spiritual. Okay, he actually talked about both. So that answer would apply to both the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Carson? It's like us as Christians, the people that are witnessing and glorifying God. Yep, okay, give me more. Come on, we're getting there. It's like we're going a step closer, step closer. It's the physical kingdom he's establishing. Not like the physical kingdom on this earth at the moment because the devil rules it, but like it's all the Christians trying to get other people saved <laughs> into the kingdom of God so that they can go to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, I can't accept that. Yep, that's good. All right, Reese, you want to take a shot? The okay, the church. Yes, we're getting a step closer. Come on. So if it's not the physical, literal kingdom, what is it? Spiritual. Spiritual. Okay, all right. It's the spiritual kingdom. So a person that is born again is born again spiritually into the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom inside of your heart. This is why we spend most of our time here in Sunday school, discipleship, at our church, talking about your heart attitudes and your motives and all that. That's what we're talking about here. It's the kingdom inside. It's that spiritual kingdom on the inside where Christ wants to rule and reign from your heart and dictate the decisions that you make in your literal life. That's what we're talking about. Okay? Okay, so the kingdom of heaven, going back to verse 11, is the literal physical kingdom. But in that literal physical kingdom, it says that people from the east and the west, and that can be us, by the way, Gentiles, shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did those three guys die? I'm giving you like the most simple questions imaginable. (laughs) Yes, yes, they did die. Now, if they're dead... How is it that they're able to come back and people know who they are? Okay. Sure. <laughs> because they're able to recognize their personalities and their bodies too. I, I believe based on stuff like this that people are going to look and they're like, oh, that's Abraham. Maybe we all wear name tags. Probably not. I don't think we'll have to wear name tags when we get there. I mean, the Bible doesn't say so. Maybe when you get there, you can ask God, hey, can I write out name tags for everybody? You're going to be spending a long time doing that, by the way. <laughs> All right. Okay, good. And will the name tags be in Hebrew? Yeah, they probably will. Okay. Language. All right. <laughs> All right, good, good, good. Okay, yeah. Do you think we'll be able to, like, meet everybody? Absolutely. I mean, you're going to have all the time in the universe. <laughs> I know. But see, that's the thing that excites me because, like, I... I read some of these stories and like, I want to, I would love to sit down with David and talk with him. I'd love to sit down with Jonathan and talk with him. Methuselah. Um, I'd love to sit down and talk with, I mean, of course, like Noah, but like, not you. Uh, We've already talked enough on this earth. We don't need to talk with him. Um, But like Shem, Ham, Japheth, those guys, like, what was it like being the first eight people out of the ark and there was nobody? Like, what was that? What was that like? What was it like before the flood? Like, I would love to just ask some of these questions. I think it would be fascinating. Talking to Michael, the archangel, and just saying, so, like, how many battles have you actually had over the course of human history? And what was the craziest battle? You know, which I probably think I can answer based on the Bible because you got the entire But it, whatever. But in Daniel, you know, there's certain things in there that I would want to just know more about and to be able to sit down and talk to them about those sorts of things. I think that would be absolutely amazing. 
That'd be really, really cool. Okay. All right, any other questions off that stuff? Bobby. I was just going to add in one that I always think of is the great white home judgment. Yeah. John is afar off and he's watching everybody, you know, their specific names are not found in the book of life. And then they're judged according to their works, so their life is brought back up. And, yeah. You know, just the personal intimacy there and what we're going to see. It. It's convicting, but then it also sheds light on, you know, our personality and our awareness. He's still pretty fully cognizant there. Yes, that's good. Yeah, Carson. It's not 100% related, like it's not about humans, but would there be like animals or other creatures in heaven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there definitely will be. In fact, it talks about that in um, a couple of different pro- prophecies in the Old Testament. Like, um, uh, let's see here. Let me look up a couple. Um, Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11. I mean, our immediate... So my take on it is that our immediate animals that die, I don't think are going to be in heaven. Because uh, heaven would be full of all these animals. No. I believe that God, he definitely is going to have animals that exist. Um, I, I even think like right now in heaven, the only, the only thing that we know for sure that the Bible talks about when it comes to heaven and animals is um, that you see the cherubim that have the faces of animals. But outside of that, in heaven right now, there's no record of any animals. The only place where animals show up is after everything is over, and you have the new heaven and the new earth, where God then has these prophecies. So like in Isaiah 11, and it says in verse 6, it says after his kingdom is established, it says in verse 5, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, and the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like, and, like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp or snake, poisonous snake, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den, which is another form of a poisonous creature. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So there's passages like that in the Old Testament that show you that animals will exist in the future kingdom, but there's nothing specifically that says in heaven today animals are there. Yeah. So with that whole thing, and it's saying like a child and stuff, are there going to be like different age ranges in heaven? Yes. And so this kind of gets into our other part of our question. What about marriage? So what about marriage? Okay, so um, in heaven, uh, in the future, like right now, there's no marriage in heaven. Um, but let's see here. There's a phrase that I was thinking of. Um, yeah. All right, go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Now, this is something we're going to cover next year in JBI. If for some reason you guys are attending JBI. Get your prereqs in order. It's possible. You could do it. All right. Let's see. Matthew 22, and then take a look at verse. Okay. Okay, verse 30. It says, For in the resurrection... They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. 
But as touching the resurrection dead, ye have not read that which is spoken of you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So once again, there's another reference there of Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, and how uh, even though they're dead, they're still alive, and people know them by their personalities. Okay, so he's talking about in the resurrection, they are neither they neither marry or given in marriage. Another passage that says the same thing is Mark 12. Go look, look at Mark 12, Mark chapter 12. Mark 12 and verse 25. Same thing. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Okay, so right here it talks about how in our glorified body, in our resurrected state, in our glorified body, um, it says that we are not going to marry and we're not going to be given in marriage. And so that means any marriage that took place on this earth is going to be null and void when it comes to heaven. But when I think about that, you know, at the same time, part of me, like, yeah, I love my wife. But when we get to heaven, we're not going to be married. But I don't think it's going to affect us at all. Because when we get there, things are going to be very different. And all of us that are in the body of Christ are going to be completely on the same page. Because what's the purpose of marriage right now? Yes, literally. But also, it's a picture of Christ in the church, the gospel. So the marriage relationship is supposed to be a picture of salvation. Well, when our salvation is revealed, there's no more need for the picture, right? And the only thing that we think of are only things that are carnal. But when that day comes, there's going to be no need for carnal things anymore at all. We're going to be completely and totally fulfilled in Jesus Christ alone. Now, does that mean no one's going to marry? That's not what it says. That's not what it says. Because think about this for a second. Are people going to make it through the tribulation at the very end? Alive, in their fleshly bodies? Yes, not everyone's going to die. Because remember what the Bible says? We looked at it in Matthew 24. Take a look at it again. Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and verse 22. So I'm going to read that one. 24, 22. Go ahead, Tim. And except those days should be shortened, there should... No flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, shall be shortened. Okay. So, if God did not literally shorten the days, because it goes from a 24-hour day down to a, you want to remember? 16-hour day, because the sun and the moon and the stars are all smitten, and the earth actually literally moves from where it is in the universe and moves forward towards the sun in order to shorten the days because of some cataclysmic event that happens in the universe. And so when that happens, it's going to literally shorten the days down to 16-hour days. And it says here, the reason why God did that, it says that there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So God specifically shortens the days so that way people can make it out of the tribulation alive. So God wants that to happen. Now, when that occurs, there's this also event that's called the judgment of the nations. Judgment of the nations. You want to know where that one's at? one chapter over chapter 25 because 24 talks about the tribulation 25 talks about what happens after the tribulation and so it says in verse 31 of chapter 25 when the son of man who is that Sunday school answer Jesus. Jesus yes when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory there's the kingdom of heaven and before him shall be gathered all nations 
What are nations made of? People. Yes, people. If you don't have people, you don't have a nation. Right? That's how civilizations cease to exist. All the people are wiped out. So all the nations are gathered before him, and he shall separate them one from another as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king shall say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick? Or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, the Jews, ye have done it unto me. So at this time, these are people alive that make it through the tribulation. They're gathered before Christ, and he separates them, one on the right hand, one on the left. The one on the right hand are called the sheep. The one on the left are called the goats. All right, now. When that occurs, I'm sorry, did I do something? Oh, okay. Okay, so when that happens, he says to those on his right hand, come, go into the kingdom. And he's like, and they're like, when did we do all these things for you? Because was Christ on the earth at that time? No, he wasn't. When did we do this? He's like, when you did it unto one of these, the least of these, my brethren, the Jewish people, my brethren, that's who his brethren are. So how the nations treat the Jews, both now, because that will lead into the tribulation, how they treat the Jew during the tribulation will determine their salvation after the tribulation as a nation. So that means you could have lost people that were never saved, according to what the Bible says, per se. Not righteous, they don't have the righteousness of God that make it through the tribulation into the kingdom. But think about this logically, because the Bible says in the, in the tribulation, What's one thing that you absolutely have to do in order to make it through? Not take the mark of the beast. Okay. Now, if God's people, the Jew, are going to be treated well by a nation, and that nation as a whole has to not take the mark of the beast. Right? Now, if you're a nation in this world ruled by who? The Antichrist, the beast, the mark of the beast guy. What do you think he's going to do to that nation? He's going to try to destroy it. So that nation is going to be running for their lives. They're going to be running for their lives. Because they made a conscious effort to say, you know what? This is the right thing to do. They're treating those people horribly. And if that means we don't take this mark, then so be it. There's always been those sorts of people in this world. Always. Even if they're doing it for ungodly reasons. So those people are going to be separated. And I have a feeling that the sheep are going to be a, it's going to be a far fewer crowd than the goats. But he says, go in. So they're in their fleshly bodies allowed to go into the kingdom. So what do you think is going to happen in the kingdom? Because they're, I mean, we're not going to be given in marriage. It's over. We're like the angels. We're not going to be married anymore. So we're not going to be procreating. Are they going to be procreating? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And they're going to have children, 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 all over the place. They're going to repopulate the entire earth. And then after a thousand years, when Satan is loosed out of his kingdom, what does he do? He deceives the whole world. The whole world. And that means most of them, which probably came from these people, and the Jews as well, because the Jews are going to be alive in their fleshly bodies that make a tribulation. 
So those, they're going to have the free will decision on whether or not they're going to follow Christ or not, which is flat out amazing when you think about it. Because I think a lot of people, have you heard this before? Well, you know, when I see God or if I hear from God, then I'll believe. Or only God can judge me. People that do that kind of stuff. It drives me insane. So there's going to be a thousand years, a thousand years where Christ is going to be ruling on the throne of Jerusalem, that they can see him, that they can be under his authority, his benevolent authority, and yet most of the world will still reject him without the influence of the devil, because he's bound. It's very interesting, very interesting. And so then past that, are people going to be able to procreate in the future? Because this is after the thousand years, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's always a remnant. There's always a small crowd that believe that. <coughs> what do you think, Micah? Yes. Yes. Okay. Anyone know how to prove that? Elliot, what book? Yes. All right. Go to Revelation. <laughs> All right, Revelation. Take a look at chapter twenty-one, twenty-two. I want you to see this. There is so much more we can go into. I'm giving you just a little, a little taste of some of these things. All right. Okay, so 21 gives the new heaven and new earth. First one says, And I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And take note, this is right after the great white throne judgment that took place between verses 11 and 15 of chapter 20. So after the final judgment is done, new heaven, new earth. And then he works through the details of the new heaven and new earth, talks about the gates and how, how the measure of it, and it talks about the different precious stones that are the foundations in verse 19 and 20. It talks about how uh, every gate is made of a pearl. That's going to be a giant pearl, by the way. It'll be massively huge. So you have a gate that's a pearl in verse 21. Verse 22, there's no temple. And it says, uh, we'll start there. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon. So there's going to be no sun or moon anymore in the universe to shine in it. For the Lord, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And then look at this. And the, what is it? Nations, Nations of them which are saved. saved. Now, this is a different kind of a saved. Because remember, we talked about the judgment of the nations. That goes into the millennial kingdom. But then after that, nations that make it through that. So you almost have like a double purifying or refining time of people that are actually going to trust and follow God. So these nations that make it through the millennium and they still do what's right in God's eyes, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. So it talks about it there. And then take a look at verse 1 of chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, there was there the tree of, what is it? tree of life tree of life which bear 12 manner of fruits and yielded the leaves and and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for read that the healing of the nations okay so that means this tree of life now go back where's the other time the tree of life shows up in the bible genesis genesis tree of life shows up now when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? Took it, Took it out. Why? Because they could heal them. Mm-hmm. And they would live forever. 
but they will live forever in their fallen state. Now, this right here, it says that the fruit and the leaves of it are for the healing of the nations. So there's specifically going to be 12 nations on the earth, which is what it says, 12 manner of fruits. It's for the healing of the nations. And there's going to be no more curse in verse 3. Well, how are you going to remove the curse? By the tree of life. And that's exactly what it says right there. Now, I have a cross-reference here written in my Bible. I haven't looked at it yet. Let me see real quick. Numbers 23.9. Numbers 23.9. Let me see what this says. Numbers 23, verse 9. Aha! Okay, this is interesting. This is an interesting cross-reference. Okay. So this is where Balaam and Balak, if you remember that story, um, Balak wanted Balaam to curse the nation of Israel. And uh, and here specifically, he can't do it. God forbids him to do it. But this is what uh, Balaam actually said in verse 9. For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people, Israel, shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. So that means that the nation of Israel is not going to be counted in this group. These are all Gentiles. And the nations of Gentiles, which are saved, shall walk in the light of it. Because we already know all Israel shall be saved. That's what it says in Romans 11. And so here, in order to get rid of that curse, they have to partake of the tree of life and its fruit and of its leaves. And once they do that, then the curse is now gone because sin is done for once and for all. It's been judged. It can't come back. Once it's judged, it can't come back. So you still have to correct that sin nature if they make it through the great white throne judgment because why, take a look at chapter 20, why would God have a book? And it says in verse 15, someone read that. Verse 15. Okay, go ahead. Carson, go ahead. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Okay. There's a lot of people that believe that everyone that stands before the great white throne judgment is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. That is not true. Because why then would God bring one person after another to stand before him and judge their life according to the book? And why would he have a book and go down through it to see if your name was in there or not? It's not you guys if you're saved now. But if you're not saved and you get into the tribulation, then you are going to stand before the great white throne judgment. Because that's the judgment for everybody. And so you stand before him, and he's looking through, looking through, looking through. Uh, nope. Your name's not found written. So you got to go into the lake of fire. So that means people's names are going to be found, some of them, and they're going to be allowed through. So if that's the case, and they make it through, then they shall be healed by the tree of life, the fruit of it, and the leaves of it for the healing of the nations. And verse 3, and there shall be no more curse. No more curse. That's it. Good? Very interesting stuff. All right, any other last questions before we head out? Yeah, Bobby. Just to add on, I think there was Noah's conversation about, I forget who he was talking to. Pastor Tom mentioned a couple weeks ago, I never saw it, or a couple months ago, I never saw that late in Isaiah, where it says, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Right. It's the exponential growth of the Yep. Yep. adding on to the reproducing and just the increase of yeah, because that's the way it was always supposed to be. One thing you have to learn about God is that he has a plan, and he had a plan from the very beginning, and it never was executed properly. His way has always been corrupted by his creatures ever since the very beginning. Because think about Adam and Eve. What was their mission? Replenish. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Okay. Now, the devil knew that. He stepped in. 
and he caused them to fall. And so now what? Yeah, God now has to fix it because he could have just wiped them out, but he didn't want to do that. And so he wanted to bring everything back around full circle because God is very circular in his thinking. He's bringing everything back around. So by the time you hit Revelation 21, 22, in a way, you're reading a different perspective of Genesis chapter one and chapter two. Because now the mission is, and I bet you he's going to declare it. It doesn't say it, but I bet you he's going to declare it. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and the universe. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to say that because that was what he wanted all along because God wants an entire universe of, of his creation that will, that will worship and adore him and obey him. That's what he desires. And the more people that there are that worship and honor and obey God, the more he's glorified. So why would he not want people to reproduce? Why wouldn't he? He would want more and more and more and more and then to be able to have fellowship with more and more and more people. That's what God wants. And that's what we need to focus on. All right, anything else? Good stuff. Okay, these are the things in the Bible that really, really help me want to get into the Bible more each and every day. So I hope it does the same thing for you. All right, next week, let's see what else we've got. Uh, We're going to be talking about um, the Old and New Testament, and we're going to be talking about the exclusivity of Christianity along with what other religions believe um, and uh, any other questions that you guys might have. So um, we'll be hitting that next week. Okay. All right, well, let's pray. God, thanks for your word. I pray, God, that we would um, just take these things and we would hide them deep within our hearts, that it would affect our decisions and the things that we do. Um, Thank you so much for your loving kindness. Um, Just to think that we're going to be able to be with you for all eternity and and to serve you and to do these things at your side is very, very humbling, God, because um, that's the last thing that we deserve. But I want to thank you that you've loved us like that and that you haven't given up on us. Um, I appreciate that so much about you. And so, God, help us to give more and more and more of ourselves to you, uh, just to show you how thankful that we are to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.